seek his face and accept his son. And it's easy to get distracted and hung up on the amazing events of this day with the wind blowing, the fire showing, and the tongues flowing, but we can't overlook the significance of what's, what's really happening here, the significance of this day. Nothing like this has ever really happened before. This, the Holy Spirit has made some spectacular entrances before indeed, but he's never manifested himself like this for the purpose of indwelling a group of people. He makes a grand entrance to come and not just abide for a while in someone, to not just visit, to not just anoint, but to take up permanent residence to empower, enliven, and radically change not just a group of people, but to create a whole new class of people. A people set apart unto him, a people who are alive in him, a people who are empowered in him, and are in him, period. People who are truly alive, who are more than conquerors. The church, the bride of Christ, has been born. And she lives and thrives yet today as us, the church. We are the bride, born again, empowered and alive and radically changed and ready to be Jesus in a dark and dying world. A world we no longer need to fear. A world we no longer face alone. A world of which we are a part, yet to which we do not belong. We do not belong to a world of broken hearts. We do not belong to a world of shattered dreams, broken promises. We do not belong to a world of death and decay, perversion and hate. We're in this world, but not of it. We belong to a kingdom that's not subject to any of that which the world would impose on us. A kingdom that is not at the mercy of evil because we belong to Jesus. We are now one with the Father and filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with fire. And fire is cleansing. Fire is all-consuming. Fire is irrepressible and irresistible. Fire is power. It's power. And that power comes from a fire that's not like the furnaces that power or generate our electricity or like the fire that propels our trucks and, our, and sends rockets to space. It's not like the fire of the sun even that gives life and, and energy to nearly all living things in one form or another. The fire we're talking about gives us life and empowers us in such a greater way that it blows all that away and in fact created all of that. Our fire is the Holy Spirit of the living God. And we can be fully immersed, fully filled, fully enlivened, empowered, cleansed, clothed, and recreated by that fire, by that spirit. So we can say, as Paul did, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I am a new creation. Or we can choose to mock the power and continue striving to understand and to be understood, to find our way alone and hope that it's all enough. We can accept the power or we can deny the power. This is what happened in Acts 2. They were all amazed and perplexed when they saw all this happening. And they said to one another, what does this mean? The people who were drawn to the noise. And others mocking said, ah, they're full of new wine. Just a bunch of rowdy drunks. On the day the Spirit was poured out on the first believers, many mocked and derided them as drunks and, and disorderly, emotional chaos. But in the end, they could not deny what was happening, that it was from God. Because they could see, hear, and even feel the Spirit stirring in their hearts. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost, what was known as the Feast of First Fruits. That's the fire, the power that was turned loose on the earth that day. Because Jesus is Lord, because he was not left in the grave to see corruption, and because he was indeed raised up. 
this Jesus which God had raised up, Peter would preach, of which we're all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received the Father from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Some of the words from the very first sermon Peter preached, the very first sermon that was ever heard in the new church that is about to grow by thousands of people in a single day, all because the Holy Spirit came and not only got everyone's attention, but put a fire in Peter that he couldn't contain and he couldn't resist, and that couldn't be resisted. The cornerstone had been laid, Jesus was raised up, the church was being built. A new spiritual house to which we would belong was taking shape in a big hurry and in a big way here. The Holy Spirit was poured out in a way that all could see and hear. There was no mistaking what was going on. That The apostles may have been born again quietly in a locked room and given new life, as we looked at in John last week, but on this day, they would have their whole lives, their whole world radically changed. And there would be no denying or hiding anymore. Let's back up a bit. We left off last week in chapter 1 with all the disciples all praying in one accord, 120 of them, it says, all together in Jerusalem to await the promise of the Father. And so we're assuming that this is the same group who is still of one accord here in chapter 2. So it's not just the apostles. And they, at least the 11 as we saw in John, have had the breath of life, the Holy Spirit breathed on them by Jesus at the end of that gospel, but they're now waiting for the power that Jesus promised them as he ascended back to the Father, and they're unsure what that is. What, what do you mean go to Jerusalem and wait for the power? We've got the Holy Spirit. What, what's going on here? And maybe they remember the words of John the Baptist. Maybe they don't. The, the words that they heard on the first day, a lot of them met Jesus. When Jesus got baptized by John, John answered and said, saying to all, Indeed, I baptize you with water, but there is one mightier than I who is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Did they make the connection to the words that Jesus had spoken just as he was leaving to go and wait for the power when he asked him to wait in Jerusalem? For John truly baptized with water, Jesus said, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The baptism of the Spirit and the fire, prophesied by the Baptist and promised by Jesus, was about to become the new reality for the church. The church that was about to be. The Baptist, John, was prophesying when he said this, was prophesying of the day of Pentecost. It's pretty amazing, really, because there's not much precedent for John saying this. He wasn't just quoting Isaiah or Jeremiah or one of the old prophets. This was something that he just proclaimed, speaking on behalf of God. He was speaking of things that are yet to come, of a new and radical shift in the relationship between man and God. He was speaking of a day that would allow all who sought the baptism, this baptism of the Spirit and of fire, to become prophets. When they would need no more, they wouldn't need any more wild-eyed, bug-eating, crazy men hanging out in the desert to proclaim God's word for them. They would all have the ability to understand and speak Speak on behalf of God. Let's, uh, let's read the scriptures we're referring to today. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read the account of that fire baptism from heaven. 
a fulfillment of the prophecy from the last Old Testament prophet John and of Jesus, of course. Acts 2, chapter, yeah, Acts 2 is chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came from a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews. They were all there for the feast. Devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, and I probably pronounced all those wrong, but I can say Egypt, and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So there's a bunch of different people there, a bunch of different languages, and they're all here and Hearing God being extolled in their own language. So, somewhat, so they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Verse 13. Others mocking said, They're full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my med servants, and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vaporous smoke, the sun shall not, the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And shall, shall come to pass that whomever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it. The words of Jesus to Nicodemus three years earlier, finding a new and very literal fulfillment here on the day of Pentecost, as they hear the Holy Spirit come rushing into their existence. So the Holy Spirit comes rushing in from heaven with the sound of a mighty wind, taking on a visible appearance, like tongues of fire above their heads, kind of reminiscent of the burning bush or the Shekinah glory that led the children of Israel at night in the wilderness. And it settles on each of them, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they suddenly have power. And they're only just beginning to discover what that means, which is what the rest of the book of Acts is about. But the first thing that happens is, the same as happens today when one is baptized in the Holy Spirit, they get the gift of tongues, an immediate manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 4, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There it is. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. 
and they're all amazed and marveled. The scriptures going forward will have a lot to say about all this, including the gift of tongues. It's the ability to speak words in a language that the speaker doesn't understand, yet is a known language to someone. Scripture says it can be either the language of men or of angels. It's used to pray for oneself and for others without hindrance from one's own thoughts, without interference. It's the Holy Spirit praying directly through you. It's a way to offer praise and worship. It can be a prelude to prophetic words and messages, or simply a way to calm the mind and the soul of the one speaking. I use my prayer language often when I'm stressed, when I'm about to lose my temper, or when I feel threatened. It puts my spirit at peace, puts, me, puts it back in control, and keeps my emotions in check. And it reminds me of who it is that's always with me, the Holy Spirit. On this day on Pentecost, tongues is a way for the Holy Spirit to say, hey, I'm here. I'm here and I can prove it. I'm real. It's also a way to get the attention of the crowds, which it did quite effectively. The crowds who were in Jerusalem from all over the Roman Empire, many of them speaking different languages and recognizing the words that many of the disciples are speaking as they're extolling Almighty God in their new way of doing so. How was this happening? And they apparently heard the sound of the wind. And they now hear the commotion that are caused by the people who they know are mostly from Galilee, a little backwater town up north, country, speaking loudly and plainly in their own foreign tongues. And it draws a big crowd. Apparently they're in the middle of Jerusalem during, during this festival, this feast, this holiday where Jews from all over the country are there to celebrate. And all of a sudden, this quiet and small group of Jesus followers who have been mostly staying behind doors, kind of keeping a low profile, are, are now out in the street drawing all kinds of attention to themselves. This may have even happened in the temple. We don't know for sure. And they're thinking, don't they remember what happened last time? When they started raising the ruckus and getting attention, their leader, Jesus, got crucified. But now they're carrying on like he is the king, and everything is all right. And this tongue thing, is what, what, what is that all about? Mission accomplished. The tongues have glorified God, proven his presence, and prepared Peter to preach a Holy Spirit-inspired sermon that's going to rock their world. And we'll have them all begging for the Spirit of God to come on them in the name of Jesus, his Son, as well. Remember, these are all Jews. The Holy Spirit has just drawn them into the church of Jesus Christ, convinced them that he is indeed the Messiah, and brought them all into his kingdom. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, brethren, what shall we do? After they heard Peter preach. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit at today's Bible study, but I won't be here next week, so it's okay. Because <laughs> this is next week's stuff. Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They repented, they were baptized in water and the Holy Spirit with fire. 3,000 of them right off the bat here as soon as Peter finished speaking. Now there's an anointed sermon for you. Pretty good for a short-tempered fisherman who was afraid of a servant girl just a few weeks ago. This is that. In 1923, Amy Semple McPherson, the founder of the Foursquare Movement, published a book by that title, This Is That, as an explanation for 
what was going on in the world at that time for the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was happening worldwide at the turn of the 20th century from Acts chapter 2, the King James Version. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. PowerPoints are going today. Stay there. Watching you. Okay. So Sister Amy, as she prefers to be called, was a Holy Spirit-filled evangelist who traveled from coast to coast. She was actually well-known. She was kind of a female Billy Graham of her day. And she's holding revival meetings all across the country, driving her, I think it was a Model T. Called it the gospel, gospel car, gospel wagon. Had it written on the side, follow me. It was a holy... She was, so she's a spirit-filled evangelist traveling from coast to coast holding revival meetings, bringing many thousands of people to Christ. And this is on the heels, this is in the 20s, of the great Azusa Street Revival that started, started earlier in Los Angeles, California, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on church services that were being held originally in this guy's house, and then they had to move the warehouse because it got so big, by a preacher named William Seymour, who was the son of former slaves. So if you think God can only use the educated and socially approved people to accomplish his mission, remember that. God used a black man and a woman, a divorced woman at that, in a day when both these groups were largely still denied the right to vote in this country, let alone have a real voice in anything. And he used them to spark a movement that shook the world for the kingdom of God that continues today. God is no respecter of persons, as Peter would say. Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. In other words, God doesn't look at what the world looks like, at the outward appearances. He looks at what's going on in here. He looks at who's going to say yes. God uses those who say yes. So from those meetings on Azusa Street that were always bursting at the seams as people came from all around to hear the word preached in power, to see and be healed of all manner of affirmities, infirmities. You can believe some of the miracles that happened. Limbs being grown where there was no limbs. Teeth being grown where there was no teeth. Burns being healed while they're watching. Just incredible. This wasn't sideshow stuff. This was real. And the Shekinah glory of God was visible. Read stories of kids playing in the Shekinah glory as it sat there on the floor like a glowing fog. Kids are running in and out of it like they're playing hide and go seek. Yeah. Can you imagine? God made himself known in a visible way just like he was doing at Pentecost. And this wasn't 2,000 years ago. This was just in the last century. world and everywhere, the Lord is still moving. The Holy Spirit is still moving. And from that original movement on Azusa Street, many other ministries and movements were birthed, and the Spirit continued to be poured out as people picked up the mantle of ministry and power to continue spreading the message, Christ working with them. Our church is one of those, part of the Foursquare movement. It was never intended to be a denomination. It was just a movement of the Spirit. This was that which had been spoken by the prophet Joel. And it continues today, for we are certainly in the last days. 
This is that of which the prophet Joel spoke, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit. We're in the last days that started at Pentecost. As the stage was being set for all to know and receive Jesus Christ as Lord, to come to the Father through his Son and to receive his life-giving spirit. And the spirit was poured out to accomplish that mission through us as we continue to await the return of our Lord here in these last days. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time defending the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can do that himself quite nicely. Thank you. And to any of you who have been around here for any length of time, this is nothing earth-shattering. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, what? Well, we talk about it a lot here. Talking about the Spirit makes your throat dry. It's that fire, you know. And sadly, there's a lot of the church that doesn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit <coughs> and the subsequent outpouring and empowerment that, that it's for today. They believe it happened then, yeah, but, you know, it died, it died with the apostles, what they call the apostolic age. It's that dispensational thing. If that's the case, then there's a whole lot of believers in Jesus Christ, including myself, who have been born again of the Spirit, baptized in water, washed in the blood of Christ, who are operating the gifts of the Spirit that was released on them as we sought out the baptism of the Spirit that was promised to us by, in the Scriptures in numerous places that are all doing a great job of pretending. Seriously? It's as obvious as the nose on my face, which is pretty obvious. To any who are paying attention that the Holy Spirit is alive and well and is still being poured out as God's holy fire continues to set hearts ablaze with zeal for his word and his mission to take the healing and the life-giving message to the world accompanied by healings and deliverances. And Peter proclaimed, Peter proclaimed in the opening words of the very first sermon ever preached by a born-again, spirit-filled believer in Christ, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Because when they see visions, they fall asleep. That's a bad joke. And on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Men and women both. And they shall prophesy. The last days. Either we're in the last days or we're not. To say that the empowerment, the gifts, the baptism, the Holy Spirit was only available in days of the apostles is to say that the last days are over. So unless Joel and Peter were false prophets, and no one would argue that, because they declared that the outpouring of the Spirit that happens in Jerusalem on the first post-resurrection Pentecost experience, Peter said, this is that. This is the outpouring of the last days. So again, either we're in the last days or we're not. There can't be more days after the last days. If those were the last days and these aren't, then what is this? That was the next to last days and now there's more last days? That doesn't make a lot of sense. If anything, as we see the day progresses and things seem to be heating up, prophecies continuing to be fulfilled and the last days apparently nearing their end is the day the Lord approaches the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in his last days as they continue seems to be getting more intense, more available and more necessary as the darkness ramps up their efforts 
to destroy all things good and godly. Well, he still has a chance. The enemy knows his days are numbered. So we need to step up our game, because he is. The Holy Spirit's ready to do, do that for us. We just need to be willing. We have to strive for and receive all that we can from God so that we're victors in, the last, in these last days' battles and not just victims. You know, baptism of the Spirit is so much more than just tongues. It's speaking for God, representing God on this earth, where darkness so often prevails through those who find their voice through the evil one. And it's speaking words and creating beautiful things that point to his glory as you're inspired by visions and dreams and words and pictures and ideas that the Holy Spirit puts in your head, in your mouth, in your hands, in your song. There's many ways the Holy Spirit is manifest through us for his glory. It's an overflow of his power, his love and glory that finds its expression in us, that wants to find its expression in us, to advance the kingdom of heaven through us. It's something the angels of heaven only wish they could do. We have the creativity of our creator God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And only beautiful things can come of that arrangement. flowers on the cross, the cross itself, the incredible music we have, the artwork on the walls, everything in here was made by somebody who was filled with the Holy Spirit and was inspired, including this, the drywall and the paint. It's all a labor of love inspired by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. We're going to get back to that fire thing. Nothing refines and purifies like fire. In scripture, God's word is often called fire. A consuming fire. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts to Jeremiah, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth, and this fire, and this people would, and shall devour them. So this fire thing isn't a new concept. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in that sense of what we see here in Jeremiah, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the fire, is the word of God empowering our hearts, coming alive in us, becoming real and irrepressible. It gives the words of God that we speak, the words that we speak for God, the words that we speak about God, an anointing that cuts to the hearts of those we're speaking to. It sets captives free and gives hope and healing to the brokenhearted. The greatest miracles aren't the physical ones. To me, the greatest miracles are what happens in people's hearts and their spirits and their emotions Amen. when the word of God is spoken into their lives, empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit, where the real he healing happens. God's word in the mouth of a spirit-filled believer is life being spoken into a dying world that desperately needs to hear it. Jesus had said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's the whole purpose of it right there, to be witnesses for God, for Jesus. And that irrepressible message, that irrepressible fire, is what Peter is speaking here. Peter spoke about a five-minute message the day of Pentecost. If you read his sermon, 
You could easily read it out loud in less than five minutes. And yet people were, and it was off the cuff. And yet people were cut to the heart and ready to give their hearts to Jesus after hearing it. The same Jesus whose execution they had demanded just a few weeks earlier. Crucify him. Oh, well, what can we do to be saved by this Jesus? What was the difference? The Holy Spirit was the difference. Part of Jesus, part of Peter's sermon. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Therefore, the entire house of Israel knew with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. This wasn't a fuzzy feel-good message. Like, this Jesus whom you crucified, this is the guy David was talking about. This is the guy we're waiting for. When they heard this, they're cut to the heart and said, Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And something like that only happens when you're speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit. As he's opening ears to hear and hearts to receive. It's not just working in the speaker, he's working in the hearers. And that's an irrepressible fire, and that's one that I want. A few years ago, Donna was texting back and forth with a gal from our church, and after a couple of texts back and forth, she got a text back that really troubled her. And we're driving together somewhere, and so she reads this text to me with a look of concern on her face and said, content, not supported. Now, the last thing a pastor and his wife want to hear from one of the people in her church is that they don't feel supported. It's like, but why would she be content in that? Content, not supported. What? Then suddenly it hit me. I said, let me see that. <laughs> she showed me the screen. I realized what was going on. It was an error message that said, content, not supported. you gotta love the, got to love the English <laughs> language. Apparently, she's trying to send us photo or an emoji back and forth, and one phone wasn't communicating with the other one not so well, so it said content not supported. Well, we thought, Con content not supported. <laughs> and so once we realized that we were both pretty relieved, so are you content with your content? To me, it comes down to a simple question. Are you content to just be born again? Being born again is indeed wonderful and very real. Having a breath of life breathed into you is a free gift of grace when you recognize your need for a Savior and realize that Jesus is that Savior. And you're literally born again, yes, made alive from the inside, sealed by the Holy Spirit for salvation. And there is a joy and a peace that comes from that. But there is more available. And that's the real question. Are you really content just being saved? Knowing that you're going to heaven, that you're loved by God as you do your best, to live your life by his word and trying to get along in a world that seems dead set on doing everything that it can to undo everything you believe and say about Jesus. Or are you going to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit as well? To not just be saved, but to be empowered. To not just have the light, but to emanate the light. To not just survive, but to thrive. To make a difference in this world, to not just have a reason, but to have a purpose and a mission, a fire and a passion, and a power and a whole selection of gifts to supplement that, to supplement the talents that you're born with. Are you ready to be a warrior for Christ on the offense instead of the defense? Are you ready to receive the power to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth? Because Jesus is ready for you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you.
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. If nothing else, you should desire the power to live a life that is pleasing to God, to love like Jesus loves, to live like Jesus lived, because trying to do any of that in the flesh, you're going to end up frustrated. It's a losing proposition. God doesn't expect to live a life for him in our own strength. He gives us the ability to do that and the grace to carry on when, he, when we mess up. And that power makes our message irresistible. It's not just up to us. Let's worship.
aside the worries of my day to quiet down my busy mind and hide and hide in place worthy you are worthy Open up my heart and let my spirit worship yours. I open up my mouth and let a song of praise come forth. Worthy, you are worthy. Love a child like Shame love, love a holy life and love my sacrifice and love my unashamed love. in mind and find a hiding place worthy you are worthy I open up my heart and let my spirit worship yours I open up my mouth and let a song of praise come forth
go and serve a thing to shine. Many men will read your words, but they'll never change their minds. I will not forget you. heart I give, a thankful prayer I pray, a wild dance I dance before you, a loud song I sing, a huge bell I ring, a life of praise I live before you. first started working on this message and studying anything man this is you know this fire descending from heaven thing and spirit is it's kind of kind of unprecedented man. no really it's not um, thought about the dedication of Solomon's temple second chronicles Solomon slaughtered I don't know hundreds of young bulls and whatever they whatever they slaughtered for sacrifices Forgive me for not remembering. Um, but then he prayed this long prayer, and everyone's gathered, all of Israel's gathered in front of him. They just finished this grand temple, you know, up to this point. The Spirit of God has been dwelling amongst them in the tent, the tabernacle, and then that was gone, and then the ark was actually hung around in people's houses for a while, and God was just kind of like living like a gypsy, you know. And then he built this grand temple, so he's got this big stone temple to dwell in, and so Solomon goes to, goes to dedicate it, they got the Holy of Holies set up and the Ark of the Covenants in there. and So Solomon prays his prayer. And 2 Chronicles 7 says, When Solomon ended his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. Fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I love this part. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house presence of the Lord was so strong you couldn't even go in there 
And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, kind of sounds like the day of Pentecost, doesn't it? But what's the temple in Pentecost? Us. We are the temple. The temple God always intended to dwell. When all the people saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord. When the temple got up to speak on the day of Pentecost, what happened? The people bowed down and worshipped and gave glory to God. This has happened before. For he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. It finishes. This isn't unprecedented. This isn't just some wild-eyed thing. Somebody decided, oh, that's right, this book called Acts and invent this Holy Spirit thing. That's what God does. That's what Jesus was about. So we wouldn't have to hang out in this temple anymore behind a dark curtain so we could live in here, the temple he created for his glory. That's all it is. And the Spirit of the Lord is so thick that darkness cannot enter, that evil cannot touch us. And that when people are in the presence and we're allowing that life, that glory to be seen and known and we're moving in that, people fall down and worship and give thanks to the Lord, saying, brothers, what can I do? Sisters, what can I do to be saved? Can you imagine if we can fully tap into that? We can't. It's not easy. It takes dedication. The temple is being dedicated. The disciples have dedicated themselves to prayer and they're all in one accord. It takes a commitment. Lord, I want that. I want to be filled. I want to be in part. I want to live for you. I want to live for your glory. I want to be filled. I want that fire. And we have to maintain that. Not that we walk around prophesying all the time everywhere we go. It's just living in the power of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times people don't even realize, like, what is it about you? I got a phone call last night from a guy I worked with. Just checking in, just wanting to talk. Tell me he wants to come back to our church. I'm like, why? He lives... 70 miles away. It's not me. Just another carpenter you work with. People are drawn to the Holy Spirit in us. People feel that. They sense that. I wish I could say I exuded Jesus all the time. I'm still way too real for my own good. Got to keep filling. Got to keep praying. Got to keep seeking. Got to keep dedicating. But we have to desire that. We have to want that. We have to strive for that. And the more we do it, the easier it gets. The more we put down the flesh, the more the Spirit is allowed to, to move. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. If you haven't, you need that. Sometimes it takes someone laying hands on you. Sometimes it's just something you've got to commit to doing. Sometimes it happens in the group. Sometimes it happens in the quiet of the night in your bedroom. Jesus said, if a son asks his father for a fish, he doesn't give him a stone. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, 
how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's just a matter of asking. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your Son, to be the sacrifice so that when that fire came down, it didn't have to consume us, but it couldn't fill us because the sacrifice was completed. The temple was cleansed. The temple was prepared, the Holy of Holies. And you could dwell in the house that you built, not by hands, but with your word in your image. We thank you, Lord, for coming home to us to dwell in this temple. Lord, I pray for everyone listening in this building, on Facebook, hearing it online, reading it in the blogs, wherever, that you would use this message, anoint and empower and encourage people to say yes, to ask for the Spirit, to dedicate themselves Lord, I dedicate this house. Come down, baptize me with fire. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. If you desire that, that's all you got to do. Just open up your arms and receive. Lord, fill me. Baptize me with fire. I want to be empowered to live for you. I want to be empowered to love for you. I want to be empowered to be you to a sick and dying world. To be whole again. Be a light that shines in the darkness fulfill the plan that you have for me and a purpose. And Lord, fill us with the gifts. If you've been baptized in the Spirit or are receiving that now and haven't received the gift of tongues, just let the Lord release that in you. Whatever words come to your mind, just speak those out. It's not you making stuff up. You're not going to know what you're saying unless someone interprets. Most of the time that doesn't happen. It's just the Holy Spirit speaking to the Father on your behalf right through you. It's a gentle and incredible thing. It's not something that's frenzied. It's as natural as breathing. You done under your breath, it can be done out loud, it can be done when you're in the middle of a bunch of people and you're stressed and you feel worried, it can be done at night when you're trying to sleep, it can be done when you're fervently praying for a situation you don't know how to fix it. You have that prayer language, you have that incredible gift. Let it be released in you and use it. And Lord, release whatever other gifts you have for people in this room. Prophecies and words of knowledge and, and healing and craftsmanship. Gifts of servitude. So many ways we can serve. Serve people, advance the kingdom the power of the Spirit. As your pastor, I release all these things in you. All the gifts are available to all of us. We may specialize in certain things, but all the gifts are there. The same Holy Spirit. Make one a teacher, make one a prophet, make one a pastor, make one a missionary, make one a craftsman, servant improving people's lives blessing them they're all warriors for Christ fulfilling the destiny that 
you have for us to advance your kingdom, to be one with you, because we know we're ghost. It's the song we just heard says. We know we're ghost, and we're ready. Be healed, in Jesus' name. Amen. Speaking of blogs, um, anybody of you if, if you want to share and man I wish so and so would hear this I actually turned this message into four different blogs that is going to be released every other day throughout the week people who follow me get it via email I always put a link to it on our church's Facebook page Hope Chapel Facebook Hope Chapel Red Lodge you can find my blog by going to blog hopechapelredlodge.com or you can type in Dan Swanningson's Words and Wit will take you to my blog page. You can go on our website, find a recorded sermon. Maybe not today. It's on there. It's on there. Good job, Dana. I mean, there's, there's various ways. And I can kind of track. I don't know who specifically reads it unless you comment or like it, but I get what they call stats on my blog of all the different countries. People all over the world are reading the blogs that are generated here. Primarily, countries where the gospel is illegal. Because they need this, they want this, they're hungry for it. China, India, Turkey, Russia. Countries I've never heard of show up on there. Even a few in the United States, yes. So, uh, Share this stuff. Take it and speak it. Share the word of God. That's what this is all about. It doesn't have to be my words. You got the words. You got the same Holy Spirit. So uh, don't be bashful. All right. Love you guys. Have a great week.